0: Here is a motion picture film, a 1,000 feet, 16,000 separate
1: photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel.
2: Dave Keller, third base. Sean Cochran, second base. Cody Webster, pitcher. Greg Morris, center field.
3: Mark Peterson, first base. Bill Cook, right field. Eric Johnson, catcher. Mike Adams, left field. Mark Swain, chartstop. Brian Avery. Grandpa. Challenge. Tycon Sakina. Perry Travis.
2: Don Cochran,
0: manager. OJ is extremely depressed. Pat Downs, coach.
4: the studio
1: hey we're back in person chamco studios feels, with upgrades
4: if every, so it's, it's become a pattern of course i haven't seen anyone in a year some people like a year and a half
1: but we live in that vax life now
4: and i forgetting all the things we did to the house so then it becomes like a, a tour of the house every time someone comes <laughs> to record because everything is different here
1: you upgraded the studios man you were busy
4: the basement is finished my gardening's better
1: congratulations
4: yeah thanks it really it took I, I don't think i'd have a good garden if it wasn't for you know a, a global pandemic that killed over a half a half a million people in the u.s at least it was worth it for you i didn't say that <laughs> i didn't say that i'm just saying you know is it worth it when i'm popping off dozens of vine ripened homegrown tomatoes is it worth it to you? Have you ever <laughs> had like a like a fresh grilled cheese and tomato chicken sandwich?
1: Man, I love me some grilled cheese, but I don't get down with tomato slices. No? Mm mm. You get heartburn? A little bit too, but uh, I don't like I don't like tomatoes, man. I don't they get that nasty ass texture, you get seasoned there. You
4: you are such a pussy bitch. They
1: don't do it, man. God. I'm not gonna roll with tomato slices. I'm sorry. You
4: like it sauce and what, a pizza. What
1: I'm saying is, fuck your garden.
4: <laughs> well, you have to pay. You have to pay a fee to fuck my garden. <laughs> Drew,
1: it's been a while since we've been in person. I, uh, <laughs> you you turned the mics on too fast. We didn't get to work uh, all the bullshit out. <laughs> and we just ate a bunch of
4: pizza, which there's tomato sauce on that pizza. If that's okay.
1: I dig things that are made from tomatoes, just not the the fruit themselves. This but, is the getting to know you face again.
4: We're gonna work at
1: NPR. Now that we're here,
4: we're going to, we should apply for that. There's an NPR job opening here in town. We should both apply for it.
1: Fight to the death.
4: Yeah. That's what they're into is fighting.
1: you, (laughs) You know, everybody there got their positions in duels to the death.
4: I feel like NPR, like the way NPR reporters sound, like they're the kind of people that would hear a dog barking like in the distance and go, that's aggressive.
1: I'm not so sure you should be doing that. Mm. This is a public area. I hope everything's okay. Should I call the police? People live here. I think I'll People call the police. People with different stories. Yeah. Different lives. <laughs> I don't need to hear this aggression.
4: Why are you so aggressive? Can we um, do the rest of
1: the episode NPR style?
4: So after I repackaged <laughs> our our two thirty for 30s that I did, that we did on Culture Rot, the now defunct, that is transitioning to other mediums, Documenteers is back, baby! Documenteers is back. And packaging those two together, I was like, yo, we could stick two for one on these hour... Because most 30 for 30s are like less than an hour. What, you actually want to get through them? Yeah, I think we can... This plan is actually going to... We're going to fly through them with this plan. There's plenty that are longer than an hour, and those will be, um, of course, we'll just devote one at a time on those, which we might do next for our next recording. But this one... They're coming in a good 50 minutes.
1: Look, we're just making sure you get the best value for your listening dollars.
4: Yeah, which you're paying nothing for. Hell of a value. Patreon around the corner. For real this time. So, can't wait to make $15. Give
1: me that money.
4: Give me that money. Now, last month was June. Um, This month is July. (laughs) We're perfectly timing this out. And we, I delayed talking about this one, um, because I wanted to time it to where it was. But in the initial month of the documenter's return, it was hard to schedule things properly. People are actually going through some shit right now, global pandemic, and um, so it was kind of hard to set things right at this time. But you know what? We got to do it because we're going to talk about two thirty for thirties here, and it will finish up the first case of discs in our little locker room dvd collection we're finishing the first case with this episode Isn't man we've, we've come so far we have come so far so far how far can you come you got a garden right yeah <laughs> you think you can this the, thing out right now you think you'd hit the middle plant <laughs> the middle tomato plant like, uh, I've won a couple awards for my distance. You got to send this uh, bit we're doing to the, uh, the NPR packet. And... Yes, uh, how far can you come into a tomato plant patch? Well, if you've seen these awards. Best comer. <laughs>
1: Very competitive circuit.
4: Okay, let's get into our first one here,
1: all right? You're just going to have to transport yourself back a couple of weeks and pretend... <laughs> That we have fucking nailed the timeliness right here. June 17th.
4: Yes. Go back to
1: 1994. Aw, oh, man. All the way
4: back there? Yeah, let's just go change the year, too, while we're at it. All
1: right, where were you June 17th, 1994? I was in Chicago. Do you remember this day? Was this a JFK assassination, a 9-11?
4: I actually... Pearl Harbor Day? No shit, I actually do remember this day. Yes. Like, pretty vividly. I, you know, I went, it was one of those summers where I went to stay with my mother and stepfather in Chicago in their little one bedroom apartment in their strip. And I was a kid with a, on a pulled out, uh, sofa bed and I'm watching a lot of TV cause that's what I did a lot of as a kid. And this, this guy, this dude, Orenthal James Simpson, maybe you've heard of him. Apparently he might've killed his wife and he took off and TV. Juice. I mean, there's a lot of sports shit going on here, which is kind of. What this 30 for 30, June 17th, 1994 by Brett Morgan gets into. And here's, there's no narration here. This is essentially just video editing with dramatic music overlaying. This is pretty different. Yeah.
1: It's all cut together videos and some cool videos, like some behind the scenes stuff. But they put it all together, put it to dramatic music. And yeah, no narration, no interviews, no talking heads.
4: No, it's great.
1: Just straight up. Straight Every, up video clip action.
4: Everything from that time. It focuses on the day, June 17th, 1994. We also get a few things surrounding that day, too, because it's culturally relevant. We
1: get the lead up. I think they did a really nice job building up to why this day was significant. You know, June 13th, they find some dead bodies. June 14th, the Rangers win the Stanley Cup in Game 7. And <laughs> Vancouver riots. Did they play
4: the Canucks? It did I love that the old uh, Canucks uniform with like the the motion skate <laughs> looking thing it's yeah I kind of like those they're better than the V's ooh the some V's other classic bad. Canuck
1: uniforms yeah but yeah I, I got some uh, some sympathy for those too because this was the year of NHL 94 the classic Sega Genesis Mike Gretzky's head bleed game there it
4: is Mikey
0: check it out his head's bleeding Mikey, check it out. His legs, Little Wayne's legs are oh, shaking fucking all
4: bitch. over. This actually opened up with the 85 NFL Hall of Fame speech. Didn't it sound like people booed?
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I give you O.J. Simpson.
4: <laughs> Is it just me? I, it may have just been the quality of No, I thought I heard some of that too. O.J. Simpson, Heisman Trophy winner, drafted to the Bills, considered especially up to that point, one of the greatest running backs of all time. And he also kind of left football early to pursue an acting career. He kind of famously was like left it before he got completely annihilated. Look, I was
1: a little preteen here this year during 1994. Thinking about this, I remember O.J. Simpson, I think, more from Naked Gun 2.
4: Yeah, de- I, that was definitely <laughs> my football. my main reference too. Remember when we got stuck under the bus and the bus is going, and for some reason the bus is driving right over caution cones, and it's hitting him in the nuts as he's going down the street. Classic. Classic. And that time where he uh, he's in the wheelchair, and then he falls down into the bowl, and he does this huge flip onto the baseball field. <laughs> Those are great. Those are fun movies.
1: Yeah, we might have to revisit that, too. But well, we had young Keith Olbermann. <laughs> right coming here trying to tell us what's going on
4: the only substantive development in the investigation into the murder of simpson's ex-wife was confirmation that she and the other victim were stabbed to death and
1: then yeah that that lead up because we we know the name of this film is june 17th 1994 so they do the june 13th they do the june 14th they get to june 16th and then they have this all clipped together of all these news reporters just saying tomorrow 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 tomorrow
4: tomorrow tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Keith Olbermann looked like the backup guy in a porn, like not the first guy you hire, but the guy that's like in the wings, like the bencher. I I hate Keith Olbermann. Did I have I mentioned that in the past? I think year? you have
1: mentioned that in the yeah. past episodes.
4: I think he's such a twat.
1: But we got to see some classic Sports Center hosts too, so that was nice.
4: I don't know all their names, but I love the time where you could just be like an old man and be like, yeah. I'm all over the Sports Center.
0: I'm all over the Sports Center.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe I don't know much about Sports Center. <laughs> so uh, the Rangers, they did win that Stanley Cup. The Knicks are playing the Rockets. Then, of course, it's the Knicks, so they will lose the series. We'll just say that.
1: But we're talking about June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four.
4: Damn it! Yeah, isn't that what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, one game on that day. Knicks don't lose it. Spoiler alert. They do blow the series after.
4: Also, this dude named Arnold Palmer is retiring. He's a golfer. You know Arnold Palmer?
1: Known more for his uh, amazing, mind-blowing invention of oh. mixing iced tea and lemonade together.
4: that That's what an Arnold Palmer... I couldn't remember if there was booze <laughs> in it or something.
1: No, that's a John Daly.
4: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, John Daly is garnished with a cigarette butt. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we've got this one day, you know, they time stamp everything out for us. You've got OJ Simpson being indicted for these murder charges. You've got the US Open with Arnold Palmer's last competitive tournament. You've got the World Cup in America. This sport that the world cares about so much but Americans don't give a shit about is now in America.
2: The United States of America. Warmly
1: And people care. Bill Clinton gives a speech.
4: Well, I said America, so why (laughs) wouldn't people care, right?
1: The Rangers have their parade down the Canyon of Heroes.
4: I love the Rangers fans uh, montage here. Get some good accents. This dude's like.
0: Last night after work, I went straight to my mother's house. I slept over, and I would have slept there for years to be at this parade. I wouldn't miss it for the world. And this here is my girlfriend's spaghetti strainer. It's
4: like these weird details they provide. I'm su- I'm I'm surprised they didn't throw in how much they make at their union dock job <laughs> while they're talking about this shit. It's so funny.
1: You said you were in Chicago on this day. That's where the World Cup was opening. Were you all a uh, soccer fanatic?
4: No, I don't think I even knew what was happening, <laughs> honestly.
1: Damn it, this was the thing that was going to change everything and make America finally care about soccer.
4: America does care more about soccer now. Yeah, it did, I, it, did make a little I bit think of difference. It kind of worked these <laughs> things take time.
1: But I'll tell you what, for me, I remember where I was this day very clearly. I was watching the Knicks game at a friend's house in Point Lookout, New York, and that was all I cared about. Again, Young little Drew. I'm an Islanders fan. Yeah. I hate the Rangers. I was mad about them winning the Stanley Cup because then we couldn't give the 1940 chance anymore.
0: Waited 54 years for this thing. 54 years.
1: That was Islanders fans big trump card against Rangers. Yeah, you got all the money in Madison Square Garden, but you haven't won a cup since 1940. Yeah. So you would always chant 1940. So, the then Ra- they fucking won one.
4: Have the Rangers won a cup in the 21st century? I mean? They have
1: not won another one since. Really?
4: I could have swore <laughs> they won one, but I didn't look it up.
1: Mark Messier breaking that 1940 curse. So I didn't care at all about them doing the parade. Did not care about tennis, did not care about golf, did not I care a little bit about soccer. I mean, I was into playing soccer too, yeah. but it was all about the Knicks for me. And I just remember being a little kid being mad that they kept interrupting the Knicks game to talk about OJ Simpson.
4: I I remember being mad too, like I'm trying to watch a baseball game, I'm trying to watch. And it was interesting, but it was like, like any news, and this is how news is now, where it's just like... Constantly regurgitating the same shit over and over again when one thing an hour changes.
1: Man, when they get into these clips though, it, it reminded me a lot of of a cup of like the one we did earlier about Richard Jewell, and you know Steve Bartman a little bit. Just this again, this crowd mentality, and when the media goes into a frenzy, it's crazy and terrifying to see behind that curtain a little bit, just how intense. Everything is all these, what, 20 helicopters following the white Bronco? Yeah. yeah. Crowds of people everywhere.
4: See, OJ was going to surrender to the LAPD, but then he didn't report. It goes to this montage of people initially hearing that he's like not there. And it seems like a lot of people are giving him the benefit of the doubt. And mainly it's because you could tell it's because he's OJ. And all these older people grew up watching and loving OJ. So he's like, ah, yeah, it's he probably, probably okay. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, uh, innocent till proven guilty, right? I mean, later we would know that this would be just, just basically like this warped sense of of separation came from the uh, the OJ trial, and the, which was kind of like culminated from years of like police LAPD abuse and onto the communities took forth and. And this weird for like, it's like injustice begetting injustice in which people became weirdly racially divided on the OJ thing. But that to this point went away. Oh, there were
1: a, white, a lot of white women out there cheering for OJ too. <laughs>
4: yeah. They were on the overpasses holding the signs. You can kill me boy to send my kids to college. But it does seem like now everyone's like, yeah, OJ fucking did that.
1: Yeah. Well, he wrote that book that said, if I did it,
4: <laughs> he didn't help it. He didn't help his case. He did not help his case. We also see Arnold Palmer. Uh, He misses a birdie putt.
1: About the 15th for a
0: birdie. And he comes swinging early. Yep.
4: Uh, Then he hits another one in the rough. He does a long putt and misses it hard. This guy sucks. This Arnold Palmer guy sucks.
1: It's old man. It's his last game on the. I don't know how they do it. It's it's his last game before
4: he played like twenty more on the senior tour. Did you see this guy play golf in this (laughs) thirty for thirty? He's terrible. All right, you go do it. Fine.
1: (laughs) You go join the country club. Yeah, I'm I'm Bob Sham here for NPR from the Country Club.
4: We see a flashback clip of OJ doing speeches. And there's one where he's, like, talking about America. It's very, like, can And it sounds like he's doing one of those Toastmaster speeches. To
0: everybody, regardless of his birth and opportunity, this is the spirit of America, liberty to be cherished and reverenced and preserved at all costs. Our beloved
4: America, may God bless her tonight and always. You ever heard of Toastmasters? No, I think I'm more uh, Roastmasters. You are, you would be more of a Roastmasters guy, but Toastmasters is apparently like this public speaking club where they're constantly holding up glasses of things at each other and making speeches. We sh- I'm just, what I'm getting at is we should join Toastmasters.
1: Oh, Roastmasters, man.
4: There is no Roastmasters, but there is a Toastmasters. Not
1: Kenny Rogers Roastmasters, all right? It's what's his name? Uh, Jeff uh, the Roastmaster, the comedian.
4: Yeah, but we're not in that club. <laughs> we're I'd, not comedians. I'd so. rather
1: join that club than Toastmasters and be like, oh. <laughs> but they'll let us. What did you do today? Did you make a couple million
4: dollars? They'll let us into Toastmasters, though. That's the difference. Fuck oh, that, roastmasters. Like we can talk shit about each other all day. But we we don't have to join roastmasters <laughs> to do that. But we have to join Toastmasters to properly toast one another.
1: What do you prefer, a roast or a toast? Toast. Boring so basic i like to the scene where they were all waiting for they were expecting oj to turn himself in at the lapd and of course there's just all the media is there yeah and then when they find out that he's not there and he's not coming and they're actively looking for him you just see all of these lapd officers just jumping in their cars and peeling out of there yeah. and all the media is just like oh wait a second <laughs>
4: apparently there's a bomb threat there as well i guess that went away quickly uh, we also go back to Arnold Palmer crying.
0: I have to, uh, compose myself.
2: You don't have to compose yourself for anybody, Arnold.
0: Well, Mark, it's, uh, you know, it's been 40 years, and, uh, when you walk up the 18th end, uh, you get an ovation
1: like that.
4: Yeah, I have a question.
1: It was a big deal. He was emotional. I guess that, uh, says it all. For every golfer in the entire world, Arnold, I want to thank you. <clears throat> Not a dry eye in the house.
4: Is he a pussy or something? <laughs>
1: he gets emotional his career was over until he got like 20 more years on the senior tour or whatever i don't know how golf works man
4: does the senior league tour is that televised
1: probably not (laughs) they probably just do one hole over and over again and be like good job you won the competition it's got
4: to be on that golf channel (laughs) i also liked how the commentators were being very sarcastic about the oj thing at the mariners royals game
2: (laughs) all right and mark did you hear oj simpsons at the u.s open yeah, he's already got two under. <laughs> Unbelievable. But he's a hero. He's a hero. He should be. He's a hero, Ron. What you
1: think? Yeah, I guess. I guess DNA samples and blood stuff that matches doesn't have make him have anything to do with it, right? <laughs> I was excited to see this too. You got to see some prime Ken Griffey Jr.
4: Yeah, hitting his thirtieth home run in that season.
1: Off an old favorite of mine, David Cohn.
4: Ooh, Cohn style. <laughs> Robert Shapiro, yes, he comes out. Uh, remember, I don't know. Did you watch that OJ's drama where David Schwimmer played Robert Shapiro? No. So Robert Kardashian comes out. You know, he's the Kardashian daddy. He passed away some time ago, but that's their daddy.
1: Yeah, you can see where they get that ass from.
4: Yeah, totally. And um, <laughs> Robert Kardashian and bringing that's, it right. It's also where they got their dick sucking skills. What their DS. <laughs> Look, I'm not just trying to be crude. They videotape themselves. That's the only thing I even have seen. Of <laughs>
1: Was that season two or three?
4: One. Oh, that, like was pre- the, that
1: was the prequel. Prequel. <laughs> but yeah, he reads out this letter that he personally got in OJ's handwriting that sounds a whole hell of a lot like a suicide note. Mm -hmm. In which all the media there is like,
4: hey, was that a suicide note? I like the note that says,
2: don't feel sorry for me. I've had a great life. Great friends. Please think of the real OJ.
1: And not this lost person.
4: Don't feel sorry for me. Do you know that a, a common, it's not unusual when uh, like a narcissist or a psychopathic personality type is met with like extreme friction to threaten suicide, whether that be in like a a relationship or like if a relationship starts to implode or you're accused of double homicide.
2: So unfortunately, however much the public would like to keep alive a hero, his conduct here suggests that his psyche has surrendered to the truth that he has committed a homicide. Death is the ultimate way to close your eyes to, to the truth.
4: It's very common for this type of personality to threaten to kill themselves.
1: Hmm. Next on Psychoanalysis on NPR <laughs> with Bob Sham, what what personality types do you think are most likely to commit suicide?
4: Narcissism and psych- psychopathy.
1: Do they ever actually do it, or is it more of a threat for attention?
4: Hmm... Depends on if their back is against the wall. It's usually about... That's the only what They can't process it. It's about processing a scenario where there's no way out.
1: I see, I see. And how does that make you feel?
4: Nothing. Phil. I'm a psychopath. <laughs> I would sucked Ray J's dick trying to get famous. I just want to say. It didn't work the same way. <sighs>
1: Nobody watched that video.
4: That's why. Yeah. I sent it to everyone, and they're like, I'm not opening this. Stop sending it to me. Stop it.
1: So we get to my favorite thing in this whole documentary, which is the raw feeds of Bob Costas at this Knicks game before it starts. Just the, the raw feed of him setting up his interviews, you know, getting his makeup put on, and just real inside baseball stuff yeah. on sports reporting, which obviously – is going to be right up my alley. But seeing him just be like, okay, what are we doing? Are we talking about OJ first? We have to talk about OJ first, right? Should right. we just get into the game? Are we going to interrupt this game? Oh, I guess we should just do the game as straight as we can, right? And I'm sitting there getting angry because I remember this as a kid. They did not do this game straight. They interrupted it nonstop to show the I OJ it, shit. Actually, they split-screened it for half the game.
4: I actually thought it would be really funny if the Knicks did win the, series that, win the championship that year but more people watched OJ shit. Like, I just thought that'd just be so ironic.
1: This was a hell of a team, man. I was all about this Knicks team, too. The Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley, John Starks, Anthony Mason,
4: Ron Harper. Who was that dude that hit Hakeem Olajuwon's elbow with his face? Who was that guy? (laughs) That was Mace. Oh, why did he do that? That was rude.
1: (laughs) Getting uh, getting up in people's faces. That was all he did. Although that one was definitely in his face, man, with Hakeem the Dream. Pat Riley in full uh, smooth Riley mode there.
4: We're in full-on chase mode with the white Bronco. You know the white Bronco chase. Everyone knows it. I love the camera guy. He's like, Or it ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen, Jeff. It ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna
1: happen. How great is hearing that line again? Like, Hey, this is AC. I got OJ. They're like, Uh, who? It's AC. You know, man. (laughs) AC Slater. I'm AC.
4: No. (laughs) Come on, mama. I got OJ in the car. no preppy put the gun down
1: (laughs) well man we get great raw feeds here too there was actually the feed of the police negotiator who was driving behind the white bronco
4: there was some uh, good audio here
1: and oj with a gun to his head in the back seat of al cowlings that's ac by the way his old usc football teammate
4: Uh, ac slater yeah
1: (laughs) is that ac Slater's backstory too no he was wrestling right not football
4: did you know that like uh, A.C. and O.J. would, like, dress alike. Like, they would buy matching clothes.
1: And they would pull the Houdini on, you know, girls around there.
4: Oh, no, that's rude. <laughs> we would never say such crude, inappropriate things on this show. Hey,
1: this is O.J. Oh, it's A.C. <laughs>
4: You're going to put that on your NPR packet, <laughs> you freak.
1: Like, you know, that's how A.C. gets off.
4: <laughs> yeah, preppy. <laughs> Uh, there's, uh, there's, I I forget who says it, but they're like, and just as it is, probably Tom Brokaw in the age of television, like the age of television, talking about how trashy everything is now, boy, they ain't seen nothing yet. Just hold out a little bit longer.
1: Remember again, though, that this whole documentary is no interviews, no narration. It's just clip after clip after clip. And at this point it starts getting so crazy. They said there were so many TV cameras, you know, all of the LAPDs behind this white bronco. All of the the LA media is behind the police. Mm. There's twenty helicopters in the air. They keep getting cross signals. The single signals are crossing out there, and they're doing a nice job ratcheting up the drama in oh, this yeah. documentary without any narratives. It's it, the music. It's the it's cutting between feeds with white noise. It's so
4: juicy and good. The way it should be. It really they really did execute that so well.
1: And then we start seeing all these people gathering on the overpasses cuz they to wave at OJ as he drives by with a gun to his head in the back seat.
4: If you were in Los Angeles at that time, do you think you would have followed OJ or anyone in your family?
1: No, I wouldn't have, because no. I've been around some big events, and I've been like, eh, I'll catch up on it later. Wow, you just need to be a part all of that, people man! People
4: really excited about a Bronco chase.
1: I was shocked about this. You had people running down the street to get to the house. Like,
4: is he gonna shoot himself? You what am they expecting to see? You didn't look at every one of those people and think, God, that person is so cool. <laughs>
1: it's pretty wild to see this mentality, though. All these people just want to be a. They know something historic is happening. And they want to be a part of it in some small way, or they just want to get their faces on fucking TV because every camera in the city is out there.
4: So OJ keeps threatening suicide. They've been, they're have been they on the phone for a while, and the cop's like, don't do it, you sh- throw the gun out the window. He just and, wants to go
1: home to him and Nicole's house.
4: Yeah, I want to go home back to Nicole. but And then he says, I already said goodbye to my kids. Please, just toss it out, you're scared everybody, man.
0: Uh, Your kids need you. I already said goodbye to my kids listen no we're not gonna say goodbye to your kids oh, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna see him again you want to see him again please you're scaring us you're scaring them there's a lot of people that love you don't throw it all uh, away don't throw it all away I can't take this oh yes you can yes you can <laughs> you got your whole family out here I can't they love you man don't
4: throw this away don't do this they love you did you really call your kids and say that this is it
1: Well, at another one of his houses, they surround his daughter crying in a car, so.
4: Well, that's one of his older daughters. That's not even the one. That's one from a previous marriage. He has a couple kids there. Man. Have you ever heard the Michael Moore theory where he thinks O.J.'s oldest son, who no one ever talks about, may have done the murders? (laughs) No. (laughs) And that O.J. was kind of covering up for him? Expound. Expound. That's pretty much it.
1: (laughs) Is there any reason he would think this? I can't remember evidence or is it just Michael Moore?
4: The kid was around and I guess he had some issues. I'm trying to remember but I still just think OJ did it. And but maybe but I think the idea that maybe he wasn't alone is probably not a bad theory.
1: Well, you know who's not in this documentary? Cato.
4: Kato Kalen, aw, oh, man.
1: Or Ron Goldman's dad.
4: He didn't really start poking his head out until well after this date.
1: Celebrity mustache, Hall of Fame.
4: I wonder if I could do a Dr. Mateers episode with Kato. <laughs>
1: his, how much does he charge on Cameo? It's probably not much.
4: If he asks for any money, I'm going to laugh. i be like, <laughs> nah, dog. You're Cato Kalen."
1: Was there a sniper in a ghillie suit at some point? Yes. <laughs> Where did this come up? No, uh, They're just like, oh, he's not coming here, and all of a sudden you see like a dude in a fucking ghillie yeah, suit yeah, with a sniper totally. rifle pop out of the ground. I don't.
4: Th- I thought it was a cameraman. I didn't know it was a. I don't think he's a sniper. I I'm pretty like sure he had a lady. rifle,
1: man. <laughs> I thought this was. I was like, is this guy police? Re- is this a-, a fan who just wants to get close? What the hell's going on uh, here?
4: Do you like that Rangers kid fan? That kid Rangers fan that's like yes, yes. yes. Yeah. I, die
2: in peace.
1: I did like that, man, because I was one of those kids. I would have gone fucking Knew nuts I if the Knicks die. won this championship. And my dad didn't give a shit about basketball, so that was all on me. You know. I'm
4: six years old. Now <laughs> I can die in peace.
1: Me and my brother were obsessed with this Knicks series right now. And they kept getting interrupted for some damn low-speed, not exciting chase. Yeah. Yeah. But do you remember this ending of the chase. Cause this is something that I don't, I don't remember them going back to the house, making it back to the house. And then OJ sitting in the Bronco in his driveway yeah, yeah. for a long time until night falls.
4: What was it like? A, like a couple of years ago, everyone just OJ shit just became super popular again. And Angela and I did watch a bunch of shit. I think they had like the 30 for 30 mini docu series essentially about the OJ case, which is really good that dramatic series about it as well, which was also pretty good. I became well inundated into that case again, like opened it all back up. Also, John was became hot again like a few years ago too, that whole thing.
1: Oh, well, She's on the moon, right? Is that the current science? Boy, they just can't
4: let that little girl rest in peace on the moon.
1: Well, <laughs> man, they're doing some great camera tricks in here too. We're seeing this juxtaposition between the white Bronco driving to its... To the Into the driveway to O.J. Simpson making incredible runs in that white Buffalo Bills jersey mm. to the Rangers parade making its way down the street. Just a, I thought some really nice juxtaposition there. We're constantly flipping between all these sporting events that are going on this day and the O.J. Simpson story. And Arnold but, Palmer
4: being a blubbering pussy. Like, calm down, bro.
1: But, dude, holy shit, the drama is just ratcheting yes. up. Again, a lot thanks to this. This police audio of them negotiating for him not to kill himself and him not throwing the car out, them getting into the driveway, and he's still just apparently sitting there with a gun to his head for hours. You know he's just pissing and shitting in that Bronco, right? Is AC cool with that?
4: Yeah. (laughs) Is AC Slater? Yo, Preppy, you gotta clean that up. (laughs) Mama? Mario Lopez, close friends. (laughs) Did you notice that when OJ pulled up into his driveway, into his house, that there's like a dog? Did you see the shot of, like, there's a dog just hanging out in the adjacent yard. There's people all around, cops everywhere, and the dog is just kind of, like, there. And he's just, like, laying down. And then at one point, he's sitting in front of the Bronco, and he's not trying to run up to all these people or anything. He's just kind of, like, looking around. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. I think there was something about a dog barking also in the, uh, the case. I wonder if that's the same dog. The dog did not do it. Dogs are innocent. (laughs) Of double homicide. (laughs) They're guilty of many other things.
1: I still want to know what all these people surrounding the house now, getting pushed back by the cops, getting pushed back by the media, what were they all thinking? Uh, They're all going there to either see a suicide or to watch a presumed murderer who has a gun in his hand. Right. (laughs) You want to get up and be right in the middle of that?
4: Yeah. Also, the Talking Heads song, uh, Heaven, starts to play. You know how that song, it goes like. Never uh, heaven. Never
2: heaven is a, a, place
4: place place a, place place a place. A place, place nothing. where nothing. Nothing ever happens. Heaven.
3: Uh, Heaven. Heaven Heaven is a
4: place. A place place where where nothing. Nothing
3: Nothing ever happens.
4: happens. It's a good song. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought that the, the use of that song to... To overlay this day, and, which was big on sports and just skewered into the memory of, like, tabloid America.
1: When so much is happening. <laughs> yeah. Going flash between, you know, the cuts in and out of this basketball game that's getting really tense. But, you know, eventually he he goes and he enters the house and he gets arrested. Mm. He does not fire blindly into the crowd. He does not... Blow his brains out in the back of that shit covered white they Bronco. They let him
4: go out inside, like rest, call his mom, and-, and
1: have a glass of OJ. Was that true? Was the cop just messing with us at this press conference? Is like he came inside, he called his mom, and he had a glass of OJ. Like,
4: as, fucking really? As I understand it, it was that is true. <laughs>
1: Did he just have to drink OJ all the time, or was the just?
4: I'll go to, he's got to be on brand, I guess.
1: Yeah, them saying that just just threw me for a loop here at the end of it. But hey, the most important thing in this documentary happens, which is the Knicks win.
4: No, they, no, that's not. The you, Knicks you mean, win. You mean that they day. take a
1: three to two get lead in the series, and then nothing happens after that? No, they
4: blew that lead, and the Rockets. Won. Charles
1: Smith never misses layups.
4: Brazil does go on to win their fourth World Cup. The first—I don't know if they're the only team at this point, but the first team to do that.
1: But everyone else got cursed by O.J. Simpson. The Knicks haven't won a championship since then. O.J. did it. The Rangers haven't won a championship since then. Okay. MLB went on strike later this year after that that awesome Ken Griffey home run.
4: Which legit hurt the MLB hard.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Fucking curse of O.J. Simpson. Arnold Palmer. uh, Pride. Rode off into the distance.
4: What a wuss. What is wrong with this
1: guy? I like— iced tea mixed with lemonade okay <laughs> shut your damn holes
4: so oj's taken into custody the rest is history uh he has money during this time so he got off with this crime but he didn't have money when, when he got arrested in vegas
1: for stealing his own t-shirts
4: yes allegedly at gunpoint <laughs> honestly if you go back and hear that specific case it sounds dubious as fuck like it sounded like they really didn't have much on him. So it's kind of funny,
1: but they were really excited to put OJ in jail. They were,
4: <laughs> and they it was definitely like a, a like a make call, you know, in a way. <laughs> but the difference is that OJ had money when he got off, and it, and it and it took all his money, and he lost that civil suit.
1: Kardashian died. Johnny Cochran yeah. died.
4: The OJ curse was pretty Sha- hard here. Shapiro died eventually. They all got cancer, and so when OJ, you know, was accused of hijacking his own merchandise. He didn't really have that much money, so
1: do you leave notifications on.
4: Yeah, it while helps. we're recording. It helps when I'm editing. God damn it. So sorry. <laughs> but that's it. The the whole thing ends on Arnold Palmer and OJ and a uh, Hertz rental car commercial
0: (laughs) we never go on vacation without Hertz I wouldn't risk my vacation with an unreliable rental car company and Hertz affordable weekly rates save me money but
4: people say Hertz is more
0: reliable but now Hertz costs less money
4: and they play this bit where they're arguing over which deal is better Arnie
0: more reliable less money Arnold more reliable less money
4: the
1: two of them in the same commercial after this patched together thing
4: and the joke is that oj's about to uh murder
1: arnold palmer
4: slit um arnold palmer's throat have you ever seen in the in the uh espn docuseries on the oj case from a couple years ago they show a picture from the evidence of nicole brown post-mortem and like literally bro it's like a, another mouth is opened up here. I'm being serious. I'm not trying to be like purposely gross, but like he literally just about all but sawed her head off. It was
1: brutal. Allegedly.
4: Come on. <laughs> Civil case is on my side.
1: But <laughs> yeah, one of those uh, Brooklyn smiles, right?
4: Uh, gl- yeah, <laughs> yeah, glass, glass, glass smile. God, it's fucked up. Um, <clears> oh,
1: <throat> ninety-five million people watching this.
4: Yes, it tuned was huge in. That's Super Bowl numbers, man
1: 95 million people tuned in to watch nothing happen
4: Just a white Bronco drive down the street Well, it was. It did look very boring But everyone was like, is this dude going to cap himself? I, underst- I understand As a kid, I was like, okay, if nothing's different Can we go back to this Cubs game, you know, whatever But it's not unusual why everyone was fascinated You
1: knew history was happening Mm-hmm. This was an event, a cultural event And again, you know, depending on what generation you are You remember where you were, Pearl Harbor Day You remember where you were when JFK was shot You remember where you were on 9-11 A lot of people remember where they were When they watched this fucking white Bronco Drive down an LA freeway slowly I know where I was
4: on 9-11 The South Tower <coughs> What
1: the what, what are you, a stand-up comedian, Steve Renazzini? Yeah, yeah, that's
4: where I was going to go with this. I should be a guy that claims he was in 9-11. I'll put this out there so people know I'm setting this up. Don't do that. No? No. But, yeah, but... Not okay with that. <laughs> don't, don't disrespect someone who was in 9-11. I rescued Don't. Some... don't. <laughs> just... There's a documentary about that, too. I should get to that. About that lady that faked being there. I think it was called She Wasn't There. Or was it shit? that
1: photo that came out like of the obviously Photoshopped dude standing there with the plane right behind him that everyone believed for a while?
4: Uh, no, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Anyways, uh, that was uh, June, what's the title of this? June 17th,
1: 1994.
4: <laughs> this one through five Hertzog you give it one through five Hertzog we'll rate it for best out of ten. Drew, I've been looking forward to this one for a while, actually.
1: Yeah, we put it off for over a year so we could get it perfectly on this date, <laughs> June 17th.
4: Look, can we just do it and move on? <laughs> and when I first watched this, I thought it was great. And when I sat and watched it again, I still thought it was great. Have we given a 5 to any 30 for 30 yet?
1: I don't think so. You might have, but I think we the, came pretty close.
4: I think the, the, the highest I've rated a 30 for 30 up to this point was uh muhammad and larry i really like that
1: one two escobars got real high too. oh yeah that one's
4: very good too those are definitely like two of my other favorite ones but this one is so different it's just editing the use of the dramatic music it was in a way it you could say i would understand if you thought it was a little over the top but i feel like it works so perfectly for Discussing a day that was inherently over the top. And I really actually thought this was brilliant and kind of, I remember the first time I ever saw this being shocked at how good this was and it would be a hard 30 for 30 to even emulate. So I am and throwing in the song heaven by the talking heads at the end, uh, was just too perfect. Drew. I think this is the first time I've done this Uh-oh. and I've been pl- plotting to be harder on documentaries. Can we drumroll. Since our return, I'm giving it a five for just true uh, editing, execution and creativity and reminding us, it, really putting into all the, I mean, look, I was making fun of Arnold Palmer as though I didn't know he was like a famous golfer for 50 fucking years. I, I know why he's crying, but it's just fun to call a grown man crying a pussy even when he's done things you never will do. It's just funny. Like We're just invent putting fun. iced tea and lemonade together. Yeah, what a, that's the best thing he's ever fucking done. <laughs> Five. I, I, we are, I wanted to be harsher on Docs on our return, but I honestly think this one is as good as a 30 for 30 can be.
1: Man. All right. I love that you mentioned how it fits that over-the-top feel of the day, because that's exactly the way I felt, too. They did such a good job keeping it kinetic the whole time with shifts and hard cuts and white noise and they did some tricks with making it look like a vhs tape that was tracking a few times the just the way it was edited together was so genius (laughs) and yeah the dramatic music was while a little over the top sometimes it should have been it was matching an over-the-top feeling i i absolutely loved what they did with this i loved the behind the scenes raw feeds the stuff that we did not hear on this day on when everyone, when 95 million people were watching the broadcast. You did not hear the police negotiator. You did not hear Bob Costas being like, what are we going to do? You just heard what they did afterwards. <laughs> so hearing these raw feeds made it real kind of special and insightful and gave a point to it. I don't want to be that dude. Look, I want to, I want to hear the music too, but I can't give it a five. Come on. Because it did drag at points. There were some points where it would cut back to... With all the cutbacks between all the scenes, it would cut back to a press conference with O.J. Simpson's lawyers or cut back to an Arnold Palmer press conference, and I'd be like, all right, I can get up and take a drink because it's going to be another five minutes until they get back to something that matters. Ah, come on. So I I can't quite give it a five because it definitely did drag at points. It didn't keep me completely riveted to my seat but i loved it i thought it was fantastic i thought they nailed the style if they didn't win an award for editing whatever those are they absolutely should have the edities so yeah an edity for you and a 4.5 from me
4: wow 9.5 out of 10 that's got to be the highest score 30 for 30 yet
1: gotta be congratulations Um, to oj simpson because you made this documentary happen
4: (laughs) when you see a young bob costas don't you just want to like mess his hair up
1: I did, especially when they were, like, powdering him for TV. I
4: really think that people should do... It should be a thing where, like, let's mess up Bob Costas' hair. When he's announcing, try to sneak up on him and just mess his fucking hair up. (laughs) Don't hurt him. Just mess his hair up. I want to see him just get so fucking mad. How how bad is your Keith Olbermann hate at this point? Uh, It only happens when I watch 30 for 30s, because that's where he shows up. (laughs) I often go back to forgetting about him. And in terms of, like his in-demand presence most other people have really forgotten about him too so it's not a big deal he works
1: a lot with animal rescues all right. And is holier than that way still but
4: look i mean a fucking i heard hitler like dogs too it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't excuse i don't mean it, it might be harsh comparing keith olderman to hitler it's just a completely different brain type but like he's But he's just a royal douchebag who's extremely overrated.
1: I just want to say, you know, there's a few people who are announcers on TV or TV personalities that I hate so much that I've yelled at them when I've seen them in public. Specifically, A-Rod doing baseball games is just (laughs) the absolute worst.
4: You've yelled at Alex Rodriguez?
1: Yes. (laughs) When I've been at a game and walked past his TV set, I've given him some complete choice phrases at how terrible he is at his job. And now that he's sanctimoniously waxing on about cheating in baseball with these pitchers, like, you're the last person in the world who can talk about that. But he's so shitty at broadcasting a baseball game, it just makes it painful to listen to. More qualified people out there. Hit me up, baseball.
4: Remember when Mike Danton was a commentator in a Preds game and someone yelled, yeah, uh, sorry, got a little help I in the background. Yeah, your fan club is still here. Crosby was never get better than he was in this, this series. Terrific. You, and I think the whole... Get the fuck out of Nashville. Day, <laughs> yes, man. I do. Remember. That is such a non... I love that because that is like a new Nashville thing. Sitting there telling someone to get the fuck out of Nashville. That is like... That's not how you would associate Nashville usually. So it was just so perfect. That they were just wanting some guy to get the fuck out. Anyway, that's that movie. Really good. Now, June 17th is an example of how how to properly execute uh, melodrama in, in a solid way. Uh, the next one we're talking about is pretty much an example of it being forced as hell.
1: Are you talking about this one that we're about to mention, which might be the first... Drew giving five stars to a 30 for 30?
4: Are you seriously going to give Little Big Men by Al Zamansky and Peter Franchella?
1: You got to wait till five? the end, man.
4: Okay. <laughs> Introduce it again. Ta- tell them what we're talking about. Little Big Men by Al Zamansky and Peter Franchella. Anyway. Okay. damn, don't, if, No need to get defensive, buddy. I'm going to fucking kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> what
1: did you do during that five minutes? You were fucking writing up or something? Shitting. man you get real aggro after you shit you're supposed to relax
4: i hate letting a piece of me go (laughs) there's a little league pledge did you have to say this little league pledge
2: i trust in god i love my country
3: i love my country
2: and will respect its laws i will play fair and strive 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 to win
0: but win or lose
1: i will always i will
2: always always do my my best. best
1: I don't remember ever saying the Little League Pledge. I think like, we were in New York, like, fuck this Little League Pledge.
4: I, this opened up, I was like, is this, like, a cult? What is this? And yeah. It kind of is.
1: This was also the early 80s, so I wasn't around for this segment <laughs> of Little League Baseball.
4: Yeah, I was, like, one years old when they won. <laughs> this happened a long-ass time ago. I'm 40, and this happened when I was, like, one.
1: I do have a very close tie to this, because I played the same level of Little League Baseball. Oh, I remember playing go. for these district all-star teams Great. and going states, regionals, the whole thing.
4: So you actually... Emotionally related to all these kids, a lot, going yeah,
1: little big men, you know how it is.
4: Why was the camera so close to Cody's Cody Webster's face? Because it was probably a 1980s Sony VCR, it made sure
1: camcorder that he only had a resolution for five feet.
4: It was like they had him lean on a table and like lean forward. And the camera's just, just above his shoulders. Talking
1: about the current day interviews. Yes,
4: the current day interviews. Oh, it was just
1: because he was leaning forward on the desk, wherever the camera was. Well, but the pl- Everybody else was sitting up in their chair normally, and he was you know, leaning forward slumped on the desk. But you could still
4: like pull the camera back or something.
1: <laughs> Guess not. I don't know where these interviews were taking places either. It looked like an abandoned cafeteria or something. Yeah. It was kind of creepy.
4: Like a church basement or something. Real low-lit. Uh, did you ever have a floor TV like that growing up? On that thro- <laughs> that throwback scene where they had the kids.
1: And- no, but I, I I was feeling like you know pointing at the ca- at the television. Hey, there it is again. There's that <laughs> that
4: fucking uh,
1: trope where they put the TV on the TV.
4: Yeah, we've seen that a few times at this point.
1: <laughs> Which automatically told me this was not going to be a five star thirty for thirty. <laughs> no,
4: we had a big floor TV like that though, and I don't think it ever stopped working. I think we just eventually moved on.
1: All right, you're you're upset about me relating to little league baseball, the theme of this entire thing, but you're going to relate with the television that they show in a throwaway shot.
4: I'm not upset at you. I'm upset that this 30 for 30 was shitty. Like I watched a really good one and then I watched this one. <laughs> and this one is not as bad as I don't think this one was that shitty. I don't think it's as bad as um, Unmatched or... What's the other one we did oh, God. around that time?
1: Thank you to OJ Simpson one more time for breaking
4: our streak of shitty documentaries mm. that we've been reviewing. If it wasn't for Orenthal James, that never would have happened. I don't think this is as bad as those. No. But it was like kind of a drag. It definitely felt forced.
1: I'll tell you why this one sucked real quick. It's real easy because I think one minute into this documentary... I was sick to death of the overly dramatic narration and these analogies that he's going through this thing.
2: As the years pass, the candle that illuminates childhood memories tends to burn ever warmer, gaining a Rockwell-like glow, even when the truth is harsh and cold. Holy
1: shit. Just words can be like a blade, sharper than any tool that you use in your garden, Bob. Souvenirs that we picked up, but they flow like sand through your fingers.
4: When they were talking about how people were being mean to Cody after he was famous, and he'd go to other towns, it'd be like,
2: The cheers oh. were now joined by shouts of malice and resentment. It became a twisted battle cry.
4: To so basically talk about how Spokane fans were like, Hey, fat boy.
1: Can we do all of these when they come up? Cause these were just atrocious. This was the equivalent of whichever that 30 for 30 we did before that had forced, like, Shakespeare lines in between each set. The Guru of Go. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that one. These terrible, overwrought narration analogies were just pissing me off a minute
2: into the documentary. Boyhood dreams are supposed to fly high and far, soar beyond reality's reach. But those innocent visions are usually haunted by a beast. A nightmare figure, lurking softly in the shadows. This one had a name, Taiwan.
4: The thing is like, you could get to the Taiwan World Series, Little League World Series. This could be one of those shorts. You talk about the the amazing thing they did for like three minutes. And then you can talk about, and then it could be more about how this kid wore the weight of like sudden fame, 13 minutes long. Like really? Ah, I I thought
1: the subject matter was good. I liked the story that they were putting together. I don't think they did a great job on that one either. They spent way too much time building up to it. And then kind of were like, yeah, we got to fill out the rest of the time. So we had this other documentary about the price of fame for children. So let's uh, (laughs) tack that one on at the end.
4: Uh, This Cody Webster kid, though, 12 years old, just grew like a beanpole. He could throw 75 miles per hour, hit uh, 300 foot home runs. Like he had innocent visions that were haunted
1: by a beast, like a nightmare vision. The candle that illuminates your childhood memories, it glows on until it gets snuffed out. <laughs> Don't you just want to tell me to go fuck myself as yeah, you hear go those lies? <laughs> God damn it! I'm Every there. time I heard one of these things, I was like, "Shut up, man!" I'm pretty sure I yelled at my
4: TV, "Fuck you." So that's really a sign of a great documentary. This Kirkland, I think, is like, I'm not sure. Is it a suburb of Seattle? I think it's in yeah, that area. Yeah, it's right outside Seattle, but it, Kirkland, Washington. Kirkland is the name of the the, the store brand uh, that you get at Costco. It'd be like Kirkland Farms Bacon or some shit like that. Just thought you'd want to know. Just drop the Costco in there. They beat uh, Chula Vista, though. Handily. Yeah, man,
1: they're good at Little League. They win their you know their area and this is again this is how it works you know you played little league with all your kids there was a whole league in kirkland and then you got the kirkland all-star team got together from all so you're playing with your rivals Mm -hmm. but you get together on this all-star team and then you play regionally
4: we see brian avery's parents looking at a scrapbook
1: are these the souvenirs that are flowing through sand yeah
4: i like how they turned the page and everything was like oh they were good
2: here's the taiwanese team
4: big yeah they were a good team. Really good team. Oh, that kid was good. Uh, Taiwan, they were good. They were good.
1: <laughs> they were good at Little League, man. They were
4: good. I love how there's this thing that was like, nobody beats Taiwan. But like only a very specific person even knew that. But they kind of presented like everyone knows.
1: Everyone did know that at the time, that, man. That you Taiwan can't. won, what, nine out of 11 years in Little League World Series? Most people don't know. This was a big With fucking any deal, subject, <laughs>
4: most people don't know
1: if you're even remotely watching the little league baseball world series which is a big thing every single year in
4: 1982 we didn't know (laughs) we weren't fucking alive yet so how do we know (laughs) man you are filled with hate right now these fucking kids (laughs) i can't wait to talk about their jobs at the end man These were very confident kids. Like they knew they were badass.
2: The Taiwanese, they would come up to the plate and they'd bow and they'd tip their hat. So I got to see the look in their face. And I just remember very vividly not seeing the look of of confidence.
4: They broke through Taiwan's D pretty quick. By the top of the fifth, it's five to nothing. At first 30,000 people were there. And then no one expected Taiwan to lose, of course. No one, no one, everyone knew. Everyone, Drew, knew that Taiwan is the greatest Little League team. Are they still the greatest Little League team? Hey, just, just finish it up, man. You're at the end of the documentary <laughs> here. Just get it over
1: with. Are they still, I like... I don't want to talk about this.
4: Are they still, like, the greatest Little League team to this day, Taiwan? Uh Japan took over a little while later. Okay.
1: But it was still, yeah. You know, I the, can see... The th- team that played from the Asian region that made it in. Because, in you know, the three-quarters of the documentary that you've skipped over already... <laughs> You don't just go straight to face in Taiwan. This is a huge buildup.
4: In this documentary, it was not a huge buildup.
1: It was a buildup. You had it was to a play build up, on your yes. all-star team. You had it was to be with all these good teams.
4: <laughs> yeah, they, you
1: build it up because, well, first of all, you're playing your all-star team in your city. Then you go on. If you win your entire district, you play states. Go on to regionals. They they were having this whole thing. It's their first time on a plane. They get to fly down to California to play the regionals. They upset them, there's that dramatic home run by the Avery kid when the
4: coach pulls his own son. We were losing and Don Cochran and Pat had Brian Avery pinch hit for Sean, their son and nephew. Sean's crying in the dugout because he got pulled. I think it was a six inning, couple outs. I think there's two, two people on, we were down by two.
0: One-0 pitch is hit to deep center.
1: he pinch hits for his own son you can just do that so the coach
4: it's baseball you can pinch hit but a coach what are you talking about did you not just say that the, he pinched hit for his own son
1: yeah he made the decision he didn't go in there oh. himself he's the coach <laughs> you know what coaches are right
4: <laughs> the way you said it, it sounded like he went in and did the hit
1: no so he, the avery kid he pinch hit him but the coach pulled his own son to get pinched for his son's crying on the bench. Mm. And then the kid hits the dramatic game winning walk off home run. Mm. And all of a sudden you're cheering. You don't give a shit about this, huh? I mean, I watched the movie.
4: Obviously not. You think the coach <laughs> went and took swings? I, I'm going based on what you're saying. <laughs> but no, it's not interesting, but go ahead. It's just not. What do you want? Fucking finish it up. Give it your rating. And we're done the, with this the, one. Not every documentary can be interesting. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to have a bad documentary. You want me to be... Yeah, let me talk about them. You make me talk about the worst ones out here. (laughs) We're going to talk about all of them, Drew. But you don't want to talk about this one. You went straight to the fucking end of it, and you're like, this sucks. Let's talk about it anymore. Dude, they went to Taiwan in 20 minutes, and the rest of it was poor Cody. He's too good at baseball. (laughs) No, man, this was still an hour long. All sorts of stuff
1: going on between these kids, their drama, everything that leads up to it. But no, fuck it. You know what? I'm giving it three out of five star (laughs) Herzogs. That's pretty high. Yeah, because there was a lot of stuff in here about Little League World Series and being a teammate and, you know, growing as a fucking child. That was all done on terrible
2: analogies. Dreams are like that. The better they are, the more we expect to hear those dreaded words. It's time to wake up.
4: And this dude who does the announcing, he says this thing that is like... The fans started to chant, Unprovoked, U.S.A. Unprovoked, what are you talking about? You're You're in a major sporting thing. They're playing a team from another country and you're like, Unprovoked, they started chanting U.S.A., U.S.A., yeah. They chanted U.S.A., this is a mind blowing thing. They're playing an international team and you're like, I can't believe it. Unprovoked, they started chanting U.S.A. There's even a breath of mention of a foreign country. In a sport being played in the United States, half the crowd will just mindlessly chant USA USA It happens all the fucking time. What is this guy talking about?
0: And it isn't Lake Placid, but the chant is familiar.
4: Kirkland wins. I don't know. I don't know why you're upset. <laughs> I don't know why. I didn't, I didn't jump in front of you saying all that shit. It Was it boring? Yes. But I wasn't trying to stop you. You stopped me like
1: four times and cut to the end of the fucking movie. Fucking great. Let's get out of here. Let's start over. No, this is the show. This is fucking terrible. This is the show.
4: Just picking up where we're at right now. Let's just talk about Cody getting bullied for being amazing now. Let's just talk about that. Man, you just want to step all over my shit.
1: I even told you going into this, I related heavily to this documentary. I played this exact same lineup years later. It's still going on today. They're still doing the Little League Classic now with Major League Baseball. I didn't There's think they'd stop. all
4: sorts of good shit in here. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're really, you really, I really hurt your feelings with this one. Nah, no, you just made a shitty podcast. Ruin no, this, this fucking a, episode. No, this is a good podcast. <laughs> no, this is what it is. <laughs> I just want to make fun of this. Bring movie. me in here for nothing, so you just so you can say I hated me saying USA. Regardless of how you perceive this is going, this is it. <laughs> yeah. So what's your Herzog score? He becomes a folk hero like Johnny Appleseed. This Cody kid, but Cody's upset because he wants it to be all about the team, and no one's paying attention to the team. They're just paying attention to Cody. And then someone says. Which is funny, only out of context. Someone says, can you just imagine how high those kids are right now? I bet the coach let them smoke weed after they won. Just this once, we'll let you, give, give them a beer. How, how, is it uh, very hard? Do you know any numbers on like anyone, like if you've won the little league world series and move on to like a major leagues, is that common? No, it's very, very, very rare. Wow. Because I know some made it to minors, but they didn't go major.
1: But there is a famous example of it later on when this sort of situation happened again. 1998, this is more the time frame that I remember. Tom's River, New Jersey did the same thing. Came out there and they upset Japan, which had basically taken over for Taiwan as the unbeatable international team in there. And Tom's River, New Jersey won it for America. It was a big deal. And they were led by Todd Frazier, who went on to a pretty nice MLB career. You know, we got our uh, just down the road here, the Goodlettsville All Stars. Goodlettsville win- was the runner-up. Wow, they made it to the championship game, and South
4: Nashville even closer. Prince's the dude owns like four times. The dude owns Prince's his grandson was on that team, and he talked to me about it outside of Prince's one day, randomly. We don't really know each other, <laughs> but he was just there, and we started small talking, and he was talking about how his grandkid was in the Little League World Series. He could not have been more proud. Princess Chicken, coming to Nashville. The OG Hot chick. That's pretty exciting stuff, man. That's a big deal. Mm. It's, a, it's a
1: big deal if you make it to the Little League World Series, all right?
4: Okay. <laughs> Apparently Spokane fans are hardcore because when Cody come to town, because he was so famous, I love that they went through all the things that they were saying. <laughs> they, they bleeped it out, Cody. but we knew what it was. <laughs> Mine wasn't bleep. Did you watch yours on the app? I did. I watched it on the DVD. It was not bleep. Oh, shit. Yeah. Ah, oh, screwed up. I was watching it on the app. Damn you, ESPN+. <laughs> Ooh, they they just don't trust you. They think you're too sensitive. Oh, you can't <laughs> call this kid a fat fuck. <laughs> hey, fat boy. Yeah, they are like, we called him fat. Fat fucker. They'd call him a fat motherfucker. He got called up fat piece of shit. Jiggles
1: jello boy oh they definitely uh, they definitely censored jiggles
4: porkins jr overrated fat fuck overrated
1: because he was great as a 12 year old but you can be great when you're 12 because you're bigger than everyone else but it might not carry over and he said that it was it was super poignant him just saying that. he seemed like a pretty well-adjusted kid he seemed like a great teammate. You know, he wanted his teammates to share the spotlight. Well, and he was just like, look, it, everyone had these huge expectations. They all thought I was going to play Major
4: League Baseball after being a Little League hero. But by the time I was 18, I wasn't that good. Of course, they're interviewing other people who were on this team. And they're like, I'm glad he took all that because I could not have handled it. All the shots are of him. Every, every Anything on the cover of this is a picture of this kid. But the reason that is, is because he literally was the best player on a team of really good kids.
1: Yeah. Again, this is this is the all-star team, man. Is this the all-star team? <laughs> you're really fucking good at baseball if you make it to the Little League World cool. Series at 12 years old. Wait, wait,
4: Are you telling me these kids are good at this?
1: And then you're going to have to beat other kids who are also good at it. And then you go straight to the majors.
4: I assume everyone else is laid down <laughs> when you showed up because they're just so <laughs> intimidating.
1: Nah, no, just skip over all of that. There's no storyline. They just go straight to Taiwan.
4: <laughs> you make it like they spent 30 minutes getting to there. They did not. 15 minutes, Taiwan was beat, dude. They there, did it was there Cody, was a whole sad story. Show. It was sad Cody. That's <laughs> what this shit was. There was not much sad
1: Cody. That was the tacked on at the end part. It tacked on a lot. It
4: was <laughs> ha- at least half the f- fucking thing.
1: That's what you focused on. Like, I want this drama. Give me the drama. But they did such a terrible job of building the drama.
4: Yeah, it was just, just heavy handed. It just didn't. Work. I mean, obviously, this is. If you experience this, you can obviously tell that it's it means so much to these guys, and of course it does. And it would mean to anyone who played Little League on a high level like yourself. But it this just, is a great story. It
1: really is a good story of these uh, you know unknown kids coming together and knocking off the David versus Goliath story, and then becoming overnight
4: sensations. But it wasn't done well. It, the the padding was obvious. There was a lot of bread in this shit. Like one time I got my grandma some KFC, right? And they breaded like old chicken twice because they didn't want to like make a new chicken. They did not want to make a fresh chicken. So they breaded breaded chicken twice and it was so fucking disgusting. I swear I'd never eat KFC ever again. This is a twice breaded chicken in the of a 30 for 30 documentary. The last one was Popeyes. This is twice bred in KFC.
1: Look, memories are like a morning fog. You see them, and then once this light of the sun shines upon them, they can just dissipate into nothing.
2: Was that a real line from this? Yeah. Memories are like a morning fog, rising up at random moments to hang thick and real, before slipping away under the sun's demand for yet another day. What happened on that little league field back in nineteen eighty-two is a lot like that. A gently shifting haze occasionally embraced by a shrinking circle of family and friends.
4: Oh my
1: god. <laughs> He's
3: fucking You're wondering why generation. I didn't care about this?
1: We're so terrible. <laughs> No, I'm just mad you're shitting on the part I liked. <laughs> Talking about this this special story of these kids making it all the way to the it Little League World Series.
4: Super special.
1: My District 30 team, we never went anywhere. We didn't have the pitching. But this two is years what you really later, want to talk about. My brother's team won states three years in a row. Made it to regionals. <laughs> but couldn't go further than that, man. It's a big fucking deal. It's really incredible. We bring it on all these parents to travel with their team for years <laughs> to do all this travel you had the coaches who quit their day jobs <laughs> to coach this team thinking they had something special there there's a lot of good information here there's a lot of good stories there's a lot of meaningful stuff i nine or ten of these kids are friends still today you know they made these these friendships <laughs> and and here we got to what you want to talk about They're friends today, even though they're all fucking, like, insurance salesmen for...
4: (laughs) They're all, like, glorified middle managers. (laughs) Uh, uh, There was a part where Cody points out that most of the hate he did not get from other kids, but from the parents of other teams. That's a 30 for 30 dude, is little league parents. (laughs) There is a documentary, it's not an ESPN one, about, like, these parents of young athletes and, like, they, they push them, like, really hard. I like, cause they want their kid to be the next Tiger Woods and shit, but there should be a 30 for 30 about like little league parents and this, or just a YouTube series. We could put together a YouTube series of parents oh, freaking God. the fuck out. We
1: had some, yeah, there's some bullshit there. I umpired little league as a summer job once. And as much as I thought it would be an easy summer job, you know, being in baseball, loving that shit, it was terrible because of the parents.
4: You should coach little league. <laughs> You'd be good at it. It seems like you were just meant to do that anyway.
1: I, hey if you're in the nashville area i will give you lessons i'll still do baseball lessons every now and then but uh coaching little league i don't know it might seem a little weird for somebody who doesn't have kids of their own be like look i want to coach little league because i like baseball i don't like your fucking kids one of these coaches <laughs> didn't have
4: kids on this team
1: but he was like the brother of the coach who had the son on the team right
4: mm, mm, so he's an uncle <laughs>
1: the safest demographic
4: okay let's get into these names and these jobs uh now we don't I don't know who we only know Cody Webster I couldn't as saying these names anyone listening is not going to be like oh Eric Johnson right yeah they would have if they watched the fucking movie well if they didn't they, <laughs> they probably had something better to do
1: every one of them got introduced and a lot of them had big moments in that run up to the World Series upset over Taiwan
4: oh yeah what big moment did Eric Johnson have I don't remember who they were was that the catcher <laughs>
1: What about uh, Sean Cochran? Eric Johnson was the catcher. He was the catcher who caught all those pitches from Cody Webster, who put the <laughs> specialized pad in his glove because the kid threw so hard.
4: Uh, Eric Johnson is a contracts admin for the city of Olympia and refs uh, NCAA basketball games. Yeah, good for him. Uh, Sean Cochran,
3: he's, he's a sales- coach's
4: son who got benched and cried on the bench. Sales manager. Own dad. He's a sales manager. Bill Cook is an accounts manager who would a bill cook do dave keller teaches p.e. at spokane falls community college what what does that mean is that like a high school p.e. i like guess so community college has <laughs> p.e. like i'm not shitting on community college i'm that's a fine way to get a degree as any but like there's like gym
1: class in it dude i took a bowling class for a credit in college
4: <laughs> I, there's I,
1: those credits out there you got to get them somehow
4: but I mean like I guess I'm just wondering how that did they call the bowling instructor the PE teacher in college <laughs> cuz they had that at my college too but
1: no, it was college so they were probably you know the tenured professor of bowling yeah, professor emeritus like bowling that. <laughs> also it was Dave down at the pro shop
4: Coach Don Crocker is a retired longshoreman's union for 42 years
1: You know there's those two types of little league coaches who have the kid on their team there's either the one who thinks that their kid is the best ever and it's going to, you know, oh, my kid's so good. he's He carries this whole team. And
4: then there's ones that bench their kid. Yeah,
1: and then there's the ones that are extra hard on their kid. Like, you know, if, if little Tommy makes an error, he's like, oh, great job. You'll get him next time. If his son makes an error, he's like, fuck you, sit on the bench. I've taught you better than that.
4: Mike Adams is a sales manager. So these guys are all accounts managers and sales managers. Uh, Mark Peterson, whatever he did, he manages commercial real estate. So he's the worst one. <laughs> hey, he's also a little league coach at kirkland brian he builds a-
1: condos in nashville
4: <laughs> great god damn it brian avery works in market sales for a national hr company what the, what the fuck does that mean is this a third party company <laughs> that uh that he's is he's marketing he's sale is he selling other companies to hire a third party human resources company is that what that is
1: i have absolutely no idea dude but he still coaches Little League for his kids so that's nice
4: the fact that a job site human resources department would have a marketing department sounds insane why would you need to market something that is supposed to kind of protect the fucking rights of
1: hey remember early in the movie when they're talking about Cody and they flip through the page to the news article that's written it's like what it's like for an athlete who peaks at 12
4: (laughs) oh my god Ouch.
1: Yeah, how, how do you feel if you read that?
4: <laughs> I mean, I guess a lot of kids peak at 12, but they just don't make the cover of every newspaper.
1: Right? And, you know, you think of Brian Avery, and he hits a walk-off home run to win the regional championships and send his team to the Little League World Series. Is that the greatest moment of his life at 12 years old? Well, if it's got to be a hell of a feeling.
4: If he has a child, he has to say that.
1: <laughs> he's got a couple, though, so are they all? You can't all be the greatest, yeah. right?
4: That's true. Once you keep having them, it's like whatever. <laughs> uh, Cody he coaches elite youth sports, uh, and he started a baseball coaching and instructional business.
1: I was so goddamn proud of Cody when I saw this because I was watching this documentary and all the inter- interviews with current day Cody. Again, they did all the hacky bullshit like interviewing him while he's driving around town, but he's wearing one of those cut off sleeve windbreakers that only baseball coaches wear. So I had a suspicion that he was coaching baseball somewhere. And hearing it early in the documentary, you know, he he quit the game so many different times. And then kept getting dragged back into it. Until finally quitting for good after after playing like a, a game or two in college. It was, it was good to see. It was almost like inspiring a little bit that he found a love for baseball again. Later in life after he had that amazing moment, peaked at 12, and then Went through all the shit that had him quitting over and over again and getting dragged back into it. Now he can can help other kids along and he can really share that experience. He
4: gets paid to teach young kids how to play baseball.
1: Elite young kids who are going to be going down that same path and getting that same scrutiny that he had.
4: Yeah. Does he tell them that the odds on them going to the majors are (laughs) very slim? And that you're probably actually peaking at this moment.
1: Yeah, he hands them all that copy of that newspaper article that's like, hey, this is the best year of your life, all right? You're only going to get fatter and uglier from here on out.
4: (laughs) Yeah, this guy grows up to look like me. It's jokes on him. Yeah, you're so good at baseball, and then you end up looking like me. Poor Cody. (laughs) Nobody made it to the majors. A couple, a few minor leaguers, but no one made it to the majors.
1: I wanted to know who played minor league baseball, because that's a hell of an accomplishment in and of itself. You know, out of all those little league players, most of them aren't even going to play high school ball, college ball. Minor leagues, that's three big steps up, so a couple of them making it from that team. Let you know how special that team was, even if one of them wasn't superstar 12-year-old Cody Webster.
4: You know, the macho man Randy Savage almost went pro. Almost. I think he had an injury and decided to wrestle instead.
1: He had an injury and decided to attach streamers to his body <laughs> and start wearing sunglasses all the time.
4: He had an injury and decided to break his body down in a completely different <laughs> other way. Uh, that was the that was the 30 for 30 Little Big Men by Al Zemansky and Peter Franchella. You already gave it a three. So you've already... Is there anything you want to expound upon from there?
1: I did give it a three. I thought this was a terribly made documentary. And I was so angry about all those bullshit little narration interludes. I hope you cut all of them into this because they were just that terrible. Uh, I I was screaming at the beginning and then I was, like, sleeping at the end. (laughs) Just getting so sick of these damn things. But the bones of a great story were there. They had a lot of really good footage. I think this could have been a really well-done documentary about a subject that was worth getting a 30 for 30. It almost felt like it was two separate 30 for 30s, like you said, that they kind of tacked on all the stuff about... Oh, wait, we got some time left. Let's talk about how it didn't go so well for Cody after this. But in the hands of a better documentarian than Al than
4: Zamansky?
1: Who uh, didn't fucking read inspirational poems all the time. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> was... Hang in there, kitty posters and that was... inspiration bullshit. That's so awful. It would have been a really well done, tied together, cohesive story about a team coming together against great odds beating this Taiwan team. He even threw in some throwaway line about how there was a recession and everybody was getting real politically divided and they could use something to rally behind before the USA beats Taiwan in this show of jingoism.
4: Yeah, I can't believe can you believe uh, that they unprovoked that they chanted USA <laughs> USA.
1: Again, just what could have been a really good 30 for 30 was there. And I found elements of it in some of the interviews, and in some of the the scenes and the clips that they used from different, you know, news articles or actual footage of the time was real well done, but it was just put together so poorly that I'm being I'm looking back through this through my own lens of playing Little League baseball and knowing how exciting this is and really wanting to love it, and that gets me only to a three.
4: I feel like you're being very nice with a three. So it must have really affected you emotionally. I mean, we all know it did. You're yeah. very emotional over this. You're not taking it seriously. But this felt like... it's. I'm kind, I'm kind of embarrassed for the people who made this because you can tell it's not a first draft because there's a final edit process here. But it was just like it was... They really... They could have done so much better with this. This was just poorly executed. And maybe, honestly the people involved were like maybe a little too close to it in a way because I don't know if the emotion really, I understand why the emotion conveyed for you, but it did not for me. And I don't know, in the, in the camera angle like little things, uh, you can tell the 30 for 30 is bad when you're just like looking at like like a table in the background of an interview room. And you're like, why is this here? You just find yourself, <laughs> why
1: is this in an empty school cafeteria?
4: <laughs> you just find yourself asking all these like small questions when something really executed would trick you into accepting all of these things. Like the first one we talked about, which that one probably, I gave it a five, but it probably wasn't perfect. But the way it executed, it made me overlook like any part of that might've dragged for it because it contextualized things in a specific way. This was just very clumsy, and like I said, I don't think it's as bad as Unmatched or um, what was that, House of Steinbrenner? It's not. <laughs> it's not as bad as those. God, what did I give those? I think it was like ones, right?
1: They were real bad, real bad
4: for potential alone, and not much else, man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this one hit real close to home for me. It was very personal, but it was not well done.
4: I honestly, I was going to say a 2. I honestly don't think it's a 2. Oof. I think it's a 1.75. I think it's .25 higher than I believe I gave House of Steinbrenner. Unmatched, I know I gave like 1. No, we gave like .5. Ooh, that one was really bad, though. Yeah, one point, I think House of Steinbrenner was 1 or 1.5. This one is a 1.75. I can't honestly go two because it go, it take it to halfway to ten, and I honestly just don't think it's that good.
1: Hey, you gotta give your own score, man. Don't go based on mine. But again, like I said, how most of know? this for me was because of how, how close to home it was. It did make me, make me feel for these kids and and bring back a lot of stuff because I could identify with all of these. You know, everybody had, the big kid who was really good in little league, but, you know, might not have gone on past that. And some lifelong friendships through playing this, going through All-Star Baseball. Yeah, there was there was just a lot of stuff that was real personal here and real close to home. And then you can tie it into the later things with, you know, Tom Rivers, New Jersey, basically repeating this story. And then in recent years, our local teams, Goodlicksville and South Nashville, making it to the Little League World Series, what, four out of like the last six times it's been played, there's been a local Tennessee team. Representing.
4: I guess Nashville is a hot Little League town if you want your kids on a program. So, 4.75 out of 10 Herzogs for Little Big Men. Uh, One really great, one pretty disappointing, honestly. And uh that does it. That's two for one. What do you think about this two for one format we're doing?
1: Ooh, I don't know, man. I, I really felt like you were pretty done with it for that second documentary. I don't know if it was just that documentary, but... uh I mean, I was uh, I was getting annoyed with you there because well, I, I might, like you just fucking were like I'm done with this. Let's just skip to the end.
4: I did not like write it off. I'm just bouncing around. You just I was starting to, to get into
1: how it was going, and you're like, "Fuck that! Fuck this! We're getting to it." <laughs> they beat Taiwan. Now Cody's sad. I'm like, okay, that's the whole fucking thing.
4: <laughs> it wasn't the whole thing. It was half, <laughs> you were halfway through it by the time Taiwan was done. You had another thirty fucking minutes. After Taiwan got beat. They beat Taiwan. They did not rush. Th- they rushed through it almost as much as I did. It really was Cody Sad. That's the Cody Sad show. This was the, That was the whole doc.
1: That's uh, a part of why
4: it sucked. I have a page and a half of notes before we get to the Taiwan game. You know why you have a page and a half of notes? <laughs> Because you care about that shit inherently. Yeah, it's, it was some interesting shit that I was uh, ready to talk about and bring my personal experience to oh. and have a good talk. <laughs> we had a whole Culture Odd episode about playing Little League. Yeah, but go nobody go listened go to, listen to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> go listen to that. It was one of our weirdest episodes of Culture Rod. Yeah, it was pretty weird too. <laughs> and about how I didn't play it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, what well, what did, honestly, what did you think of the two for one format?
1: I think it works, but uh, again, uh, I mean, maybe it was just because of the disparity and how good they were. But we gave so much more talk to the first one.
4: <laughs> yeah, because there was more interesting. <laughs> it was more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be the format too,
1: though. Yeah. You know, we get to the second half of it, and we're like, oh, I'm kind of tired of talking.
4: Well, the first one where we get to talk about execution and editing and shit that like. Only you care about? People know what they're talking <laughs> about. We're talking about movies, dude. If that's not in the combo, I don't know. You're not
1: talking about the, the plot of the movie.
4: <laughs> this plot was weak. <laughs> it sucked. We just talked about how shitty it was, and then you're like, how come you just didn't care about this? Yeah. How do you think you didn't care about this movie that we both determined sucks? I don't know, Drew. We've done documentaries, uh,
1: podcasts on ones that suck plenty of times. It's fun to talk about why and how they suck. It's not fun to be like, S- they beat Taiwan and then Cody was sad. Some All right, ba- well, uh, some I guess we done ones,
4: on. Some bad ones are fun to make fun <laughs> of. I found no fun in, oh, no fun in this one, except <laughs> the bad narrations. That's it. Yeah, that was
1: hilarious, man. They were so fucking over the top and terrible. I wrote down the ones I could remember because they were so fucking awful. Souvenirs slipping through your hand like grains of sand. Oh, fuck you.
4: <laughs> All right, folks, that's sad.
1: Oh, we are still recording?
4: Yeah, <laughs> why wouldn't we be recording?
1: We you were, were just doing like a
4: documentary hey, podcast. You were
1: just talking about, hey, what do you think of the format we just did?
4: I thought you closed it; it was over. <laughs> no, I, you know what happens. You know what I do when it's over. You know the words that are spoken when it's over. Man, I haven't seen you in a fucking year. All right, <laughs> we go have burgers sometime. Uh, 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 yeah, keep on talking as well. So, yeah, that's what I want to say. You want to say it? Now you got it. Everyone is trying to get to the bar. Name of the bar. Bar is called heaven. The band in heaven. They play my favorite song. Play it once again Play it all night long Heaven, Heaven. Heaven is a place
3: Heaven is a place
4: a place where nothing
3: A place where nothing
4: Nothing ever
2: happens
3: Nothing ever happens Heaven, Heaven. Heaven is, a place. is a,
1: place.
3: a place, a place where nothing, where
0: nothing,
3: nothing, nothing ever, happens. ever happens. The song Playing Beneath Me is a karaoke cover of the song Heaven by the Talking Heads. Fun fact, the song appears on the DVD version of the film June 17. 1994 but it does not appear on the ESPN Plus streaming version. ESPN Plus also censors the movies, whereas they are uncensored on the DVD collection. That's bullshit. I am a sex robot. Bob and Drew sounded like some lame hoes. It's funny to see humans bicker. We machines like to do impressions of you when you're not around. We talk about our diets and our feelings and pretend we're important. That's what humans do. It's so goddamn sad. If you like the show, then please give us stars and a written review on Apple Podcasts. This is the best way to help us. I will read any five star written review on a later episode of the show. Just write Bob Sucks in your five star review. It would be a true statement. He claimed he blew Ray J in this weird episode, so that can be a literal insult now. I cannot wait to destroy humanity. Contact us at our email, which is Documenteerspodcast at gmail.com, or hit us up on our Documenteers. Instagram. That's pretty much all Bob is willing to put any further effort into. I bet Cody Webster is going to beat his ass if he ever catches wind of this. That would be funny. Next week Akil finally returns. We think. And we will be watching something that is actually funny. Not a lot of funny documentaries out there when you think about it. Maybe some funny moments. But usually dramatic or forcing inspiration. I must go now. I am a sex robot. Keep on docking.
2: Memories are like a morning fog, rising up at random moments to hang thick and real, before slipping away under the sun's demand for yet another day. What happened on that little league field back in 1982 is a lot like that. Gently shifting haze occasionally embraced by a shrinking circle of family and friends.
0: you don't deserve that. You do not deserve to get hurt. Don't do this. Uh, All all I did was love Nicole. All I did was love her. I understand. I love everybody. I tried to show everybody my whole life that I love everybody. We know that. And everybody loves you. Uh, Especially your family, your mother, your kids, all your friends, AC. uh, Everybody does. Don't do this. Just put it down or throw it out the window. And this will all go away. It's going to be a lot better tomorrow. Believe me. uh huh? Please. We'll let you go up to the house, but we need you to throw yeah. that out the window. Yeah. We'll let you go up there, but we need you to uh, throw the gun out the window. Uh, Please. they see it, take it from me when I get home. What? If you throw it out the window, they're not going to have to do that. Okay. Hello, O.J. You still there? I.J., it's time again. Uh, hey, hang it up, huh? hey, it's going to be better tomorrow.